Well, last last week when uh, we were together, we finished up John chapter 19. And so uh, today we're in John 20, and we're going to cover the first 18 verses. Thank you, Pastor, for doing that. So uh, today it's John 20 and the first 18 verses. Let me, let me read those verses for us uh, first. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came in the tomb first went in also. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am descending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Uh, Father, again, we just... Uh, ask that you use your word, Father, this morning. We pray and we have confidence that it will go out uh, and it will not return void. It will accomplish the very thing that you have set it forth to accomplish. And so we just ask you to do that for us today and bless our time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So remember last week we talked about the progression of Jesus' humiliation to his glorification and it started at his burial. He had a... Um, a burial, a very lavish burial, by the, uh, considering uh, the times that this happened, and so this is this is has begun. And now John doesn't tell us anything about that. Those events happened on Friday. We don't know anything about Saturday. Uh, and John picks up right here on uh, in verse one. Now it's the first day of the week, and he tells us that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. This is in verse one, while it was still dark, and he saw she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now John, along with all the other gospel writers, say that these events that he records here in John uh, took place on the first day of the week. And of course, we know that is Sunday. 
Now we know from the book of Acts that because the resurrection took place on a Sunday, the early church began gathering for their meeting, for their weekly worship on Sunday, on the first day of the week. And then it became known very soon as the Lord's Day. And we still call it the Lord's Day today, right? That's what we still refer to it, is uh, this practice, this, this changing from uh, the Sabbath being the last day of the week to it being observed on the first day of the week. It, it started here and for this reason, and it's continued to today. Uh, the, and, and, and most people still observe that. Most evangelical, uh, Bible-believing churches worship on Sunday. However, there are some, a smaller number who do not, but we won't go there today. But, but that's, that's just, that we see this coming from right here in the Gospels. Now, the Gospels, all of them speak of multiple women going to the tomb in order to take the spices for the body. Right, but Jesus, excuse me, uh, the body of Jesus. However, John only mentions Mary. He only talks about Mary Magdalene. Well, it is customary in Scripture uh, to identify a group of people uh, by only referring to one member, and usually that one member would be the leader of the group. If there was a, a person who, who was either known or they were a leader, and they would often refer to a group of people just by the one member. And so since John records this encounter uh, between Mary and Jesus, it's, it's not strange that he should only mention Mary. Because the other Gospels tell us there were some other women there too. But John only mentions Mary. There's no um, contradiction here. It's a, it's a normal thing. It's how they would have written that uh, account anyway. So it's not strange. Don't be um, concerned that some of the others mentioned multiple women. John only mentions Mary. Doesn't mean the other, other women were not there. Also noticed, uh, and of course uh, the, in verse 2, it, it, even though John doesn't mention it, it would lead us to believe there were others, right? Because verse 2 says what? We, when, when we're talking about Mary, when Mary's given the account, we, she used the plural, do not know where they have laid him. And she went back and reported to uh, the disciples. So it, it's very possible, it, it appears that she was not alone when she went to the tomb this very early on Sunday morning. But as she was approaching, again, it's, it says she went out when it was, uh, while it was still dark. I'm sure the, you know, the day is breaking, um, but uh, it is still dark outside. The sun hadn't come up yet. But notice what she found as she approaches the tomb. She realizes that the stone has been rolled away. Now, at first, you know, to us, as we're reading this, great news, the stone's not there. But what, obviously that was not her reaction, right? That was not good news to her. She didn't, she didn't see the fact that the stone was rolled away as bringing uh, as good news, right? But now, uh, and we know from, from Mark's gospel, we know they were, they were, why were they coming? They were coming to bring more spices for the body of Jesus, right? That's why they were there. So they're going to have to get into the tomb anyway. Uh, we know from Mark's account, they asked, they asked themselves as they were going, who's going to roll away the stone? Right? They didn't know that as they were approaching, but, but they were going anyway. They were going anyway because they were just, that's what we have, that's what we're going to do. That's what we want to do. We feel compelled to do this for our Lord's body. So we know that when they got there, they see this. We know from uh, the other Gospels that when that they looked into the tomb, they did what? 
they saw it was empty. And Mary and the other women were filled with grief. They were filled with sorrow. Right? Uh, verse 2 says, uh, Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Again, it's, it's not hard uh, to see why Mary, in this circumstance, okay, again, we know how the story ends, but if you were in the moment, okay, if you were living, if you're walking in her shoes, it's, it's not hard to see why she reacted this way. Uh, first of all, an empty tomb could have meant a couple of different things, okay, to her. Okay, it could have meant a couple of different things. One thing that was common in this day and time was grave robbery. It was a common thing uh, during these days. Uh, what robbers would often do is they would, uh, they would invade the tombs of the wealthy. Uh, and what were they looking for? They were looking for valuables. A lot of families would leave things there. Uh, they were looking to, to just steal whatever they could, could find. And of course, we, we talked last week about where Je this is a, a lavish place where Jesus' body is laying. So to a robber, it would have been, hey, it could be some nice stuff in there. Right, so very possible that to a robber it would be a very attractive place to go uh, to break into. Sometimes the bodies themselves were stolen, which is um, odd to think about, right? They, uh, and you can just imagine they were not going there, but they didn't have good intentions, obviously, with stealing dead bodies. Um, but the one thing that, and we know because we've read the whole account, if in fact a robber had come and, and stolen a body, they would not, or excuse me, they would not have unwrapped the body. I noticed the account, right? The linen cloths were still there. The wrappings were still there. If they just stole the body, they wouldn't have unwrapped it. Because why? That's a dead body, right? The, the wrapping, let's just be honest, right? Helps, um, it's a dead body. It's a decomposing body, right? You wouldn't unwrap it and then carry this body away. So it may be that because of, again, the times they live in, it may be that, that Mary had was fearing that something like this had happened. She's thinking, somebody's stolen the body of our Lord. Who knows what they're doing with it? And she is just upset. She's filled with grief is what John says. So she goes back, she reports, right, uh, to Peter and to John, and they hear this, and so they have to go see for themselves. They went to investigate. Verses 3 through 7. It says, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he Stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together and in place by itself. I can remember uh, very early on when I was probably these kids' age or probably even younger, uh, we had, I know I hear it sometimes, they play Bible trivia, right, in Sunday school. And I can just remember, I think we had, it was a Bible trivia um, game, much like, what's the other trivia game we used to have all the time? Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit, there you go. 
It was the Bible version of Trivial Pursuit, basically, right? And I, the, only, the, the only one I can really ever remember was the question, who was faster, Peter or John? I remember that question. I'm going, what? Who, who is faster? Who can run faster, Peter or John? I had no idea. I was like, what? what are you talking about? Of course, they cite these verses before us, right? Um, um, John, of course, is the other disciple here. John's referring to himself uh, here in these, uh, these verses. So anyway, that's my Bible trivia story, right? Um, well, when they got there, uh, the disciples noticed something very strange. Okay, they noticed something very strange. Jesus' body was gone, but the grave clothes were still there. They were seemingly undisturbed. Now, again, put yourself, as we just talked about, uh, in, in Mary's shoes and in the disciples' shoes, because um, they're not thinking resurrection at this point. He tells us later, right? They ha- they're not thinking that right now. Uh, so the, the, disi- the disciples were, were thinking, well, again, they were con- it says they were confused, right? Well, why, why, why? Well, if someone had stolen the body, again, uh, we mentioned this earlier, they, they would not have left the, the, the claws there, okay, they would have left them on the body. But here, it's, it's like, um, it's that they're here and they appear that they're undisturbed. It's, 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 it's odd. It is very odd. And look at this. Again, they're not thinking resurrection. They're thinking somebody came and took this body and why? This makes no sense. This is like a crime scene to them. I know Grace likes the crime scene kind of stuff, right? Try to figure out what happened. Right? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out what happened. What happened here? This doesn't make any sense. Now, the reference to the grave clothes, okay, that that had not been unraveled, okay, it raises a lot of questions about the nature of Jesus' glorified body. Okay, it raises a lot of questions. Um, There are a couple of texts, uh, you're familiar with them, uh, one in Luke 24 and one that we'll get to later in our discussions here in John. You remember the encounter in Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. You remember as Jesus was walking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember, it's about a seven-mile walk. And uh, you remember, they, they didn't recognize Jesus, remember the account, right? They didn't, they, did, they didn't recognize who He was. And He's expounding all of these things from the Old Testament all the way up, telling everything about Him. And you remember, they sat down to have a meal, right? And then as soon as um, they recognized, or as soon as Jesus allowed them to recognize him, what happened? What does it say? It says he vanished. Okay, that's what Luke's account says. He vanished, right? Uh, John, and of course that's after the resurrection as well. John, John 20 tells us about, and we're going to study it later. Um, John 20 tells us about when the disciples are gathered together in the upper room. And you remember, John's going to tell us that the door's locked. Right? Why? Why is the doors locked? They're they're scared of the Jews, right? They got they're together. They don't know what's going on. They're scared of the Jews. They got the door locked. And what John tells us, right? Suddenly Jesus appears. Okay. How, it 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 it's some when we read the text, we we would say, well, he just he disappeared and and, and he didn't he entered the room, but he didn't come through the door because the door's locked, right? So. With these other verses, okay, again, un, the, the grave claws have not been uh, disturbed. 
uh, we see just some some differences here with the way Jesus is, uh, or the questions about Jesus's body after the resurrection. Well, you can look at these kind of verses and you can kind of come up with your own conclusions, right, about what exactly is the nature here. Uh, Dr. Sproul said there are other ways uh, that we can also read these texts, is what Dr. Sproul says. In the Luke account about the road to Emmaus, when Luke says that he vanished, okay, when the other two disciples recognized him, so he, he, very, he may very well mean that Jesus just excused himself quickly, just kind of just left. Okay, it could mean that, right? Um, when John tells us of Jesus' appearing in a room where the door's shut and it's locked, uh, he, he may have been trying to tell us that the disciples were so shocked and they were so uh, surprised that it, and that Jesus may have just opened the door and slipped in quietly without anybody noticing. Okay. Can we be sure? No, we really can't be sure, right? The uh, Dr. Sproul says, I think I can explain these two encounters, right? The one in Luke and the one in John. He says, but I can't explain how the grave claws were not disturbed. I said, I can't explain that. They, and this is his words, they do give credence. They do give uh, value to the idea that his body was changed. And it, but, but notice his body, he still could eat, right? We know that later. And he still could be touched. We know that later. But it does appear that it's his new body, his resurrected body, had properties that it did not have before. Okay? That is very, it does lead us to believe that. And that's not a, that's not a bad thing. That's a pretty amazing thing. One thing, another thing to notice too, though, when you think about the grave clothes, think about, notice the difference between the resurrection of Lazarus. Right? What happened? There's a difference, right, between Lazarus and Jesus' resurrection. What happened with, G- with, with Lazarus? That's right. His resurrection is different. Then notice the differences, right? He had to be unwrapped, right? He came out hopping, I, I would assume, <laughs> right? He had to be unwrapped. Jesus did not. So notice the difference here. Now, again, do we know exactly? No, we don't know exactly. Uh, what we know is there was a difference. There's a difference in the resurrection of the Son of God. Uh, and that's a very good thing for me and you to know, right? There is a difference. The, the, as we look at this information, we don't have clear, hey, it's one way or the other, because there's, there's sparse information, right? It's not a complete, we don't have all of it. And it's okay, right? There's, a, there's an element of mystery here. And that's wonder, because to the Christian, when something is mysterious, that should cause you to wonder. That should cause you to just to say, I don't need to figure this out. I need to be amazed at who God is. That's, that's what, when you see mystery in the Gospels, that's, that's what you do. You don't, well, I got to figure this out and I need to go dig deeper. And No, because you're not going to find an answer, right? That's, that's, just a, that's just a fool's errand. You're going to try to decipher this. Remember, the Bible is not a code book, right? You can't unlock the code. Okay, it's not the way it's, it's designed. Uh, so when we come to places like this, we can just, man, God, you're amazing. That's what we do, right? God, you're amazing. Look at what you've done. And look at how you did it. And this is just absolutely amazing. He is worthy of our praise. So, so the, the, the fact that there's some mystery here, it should, it should keep us from getting too carried away. We don't need to speculate, right? 
Um, and, and especially we don't need to speculate when we try to make a direct connection between Jesus' glorified body and would be maybe our own glorified bodies. We don't need to speculate. We don't, we don't need to say um, that, well, hey, we'll be able to walk through doors. We'll be able to just vanish. and just We don't need to sell this because we don't know, right? We just don't know. But what we can be sure, one thing that we can be sure is that our glorified bodies, right, because we will have a glorified body, will be patterned after Jesus' glorified body. We can know that. How do we know that? 1 John 3, 2 says what? We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We will be like Him. He is the second Adam. He is, he is the, the pattern, right? So what we see in His physical nature, His resurrection, His glorified state, we will be like Him. We'll be exactly like Him? Absolutely not. He's God. We're not. But we will be like Him. We will be similar in that state. We can, we can, again, a lot of unknowns about our glorified body, right? We know we're not going to be angels sitting on clouds playing harps, right? Let's dispel that one right now. If there's anybody here thinking, you know, we went to heaven and got their wings, and they're an angel. That, that's, not, that's not the way it works. So um, let's, let's be clear about that right now. Um, but we can be sure, one thing we can be sure of is that our glorified bodies will be far better than the ones that we have now, won't they? Praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. These bodies, the older they get, the more difficult it becomes. I'm looking at our senior people. It gets hard, doesn't it? Physically, the bodies wear out. Every day it gets harder and harder and harder. And what does that do? Praise the Lord because I know I don't have to live like this forever. For me, for us who love Him, Lord, thank You because You have something way better planned for me. Right? When you look at all these different things and, and there's an element of mystery here, Calvin said this, he says, let us be satisfied with the simple view of the matter that Christ, by laying aside the tokens of death, intended to testify that he had clothed himself with a blessed and immortal life. And that's a good enough place to be, right? We can just be satisfied with that. Death could not hold on to our Savior. John continues here, verses 8 through 10. He says, Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own, again to their own homes. So again, John is, is um, referring to himself here. He's the other the disciple here. Again, he's, he's faster, right? Get the trivia question. He got to the tomb first. Um, but he didn't go in. So he's assessing the situation. Peter, the one, right? Peter's always the impetuous one, right? He just want to jump in and, and just go. And I love Peter right for that. He went in first. And then John follows. And John testifies that, 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 that when he saw the empty tomb... And he saw the grave cloths laying there that he believed that Jesus was alive again. He saw it and he believed, is what John says. Now, Dr. Sproul says this, this next portion, this next encounter is what I find the most moving. And I think Dr. Sproul said this is one of his favorite sections of Scripture in all the whole Bible. Verses 11 through 13. 
It says, but Mary. Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Peter and John came. They assessed the situation. The body's not there, just like she said. And now they've left to go home. Mary's still there. Mary is... She can't just pick up and leave. She's there. She's doing what? She's weeping, right? She's there weeping. We know that uh, it, it, by now we can safely assume she's here alone. Okay, she's here alone and she is in this just state of grief. Again, all these questions, right? What is going on? Where have they taken somebody? She's taken my Lord's body. What is going on? And then it says, in the middle of her weeping, she looks into the tomb now. Now, the, the disciples didn't see this, right? They, 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 she, it, the way John tells us, right? She now looks into the tomb and what does she see? She sees two angels, right? One at uh, the feet and one at the head, sitting there where Jesus' body was. Now, Jesus, or excuse me, John, John's reason, we can safely assume, that the, the mention of the angels, why does he mention that to us in this account? Is He, he mentions it to, to, to demonstrate that there's no, no grave robbers took the body of Jesus. Okay, he's, he's putting this in here because, I mean, it happened, right? But he's including, he wants us to know that this, this didn't happen by accident. This is, this is an action of God himself. And notice John doesn't give her reaction to the angels. Which is kind of odd, right? Um, other accounts say that their clothes were like lightning. Uh, but here, John doesn't say anything about Mary's reaction. She basically just um, asked, uh, basically John just says that, uh, he, that they asked her why she was crying. It could be that, um, it, it, again, we don't have all the details, Maybe they, again, kind of in a similar situation, she didn't really realize there were angels at the time. She could have just assumed it's just somebody else. We're not really sure um, why she didn't have some sort of... Maybe she did and John just didn't record it. We, we just can't be sure. But instead, John tells us that they asked her, why are you crying? And, uh, of course, her answer was, I don't know where they've... Somebody's taken the body of my Lord and I don't know where it is. And then, in the middle of that interaction, right, came a moment in this woman's life that she could have never imagined. She could have never imagined what would happen next. In verse 14, it says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. And she did not know who He was. She didn't know it was Jesus at first. Again, we mentioned the passage in Luke 24 about the two disciples, right? On the road to Emmaus, uh, they were for a time prevented from recognizing Jesus for who he was, right? May have been the same case here. It may be, right, that at this very point that Jesus is preventing her from recognizing him. 
Or it could have been that her eyes, will, well, she was so emotional, her eyes are filled with tears. You know how when you look through teary eyes, things are blurry. It's hard to see, right? It could just be that she just didn't recognize him. Right? Another possibility is, you remember, what is, what is, what is Mary's last images of Jesus? What's her last images in her mind? The last time she saw Jesus' body, it was what? Beaten and bruised and scarred and torn apart. Right? So it could be that the Jesus standing before her was so dramatically different from what she just saw three days ago that she didn't recognize Him. Verse 15 and 16. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned, and she said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Now we noticed, we, we, we noted this uh, earlier uh, the way Jesus addresses women. And here he dresses her, addresses Mary as woman. Remember? Remember that's not a term of disrespect, right? That is a, that he is using a term, a title of respect and tenderness for Mary. So this is not a, this will not have, you know, riled her in any way. He, he spoke to Mary uh, with tenderness and he sincerely asked her, why are you crying? And John tells us, that she had assumed that he was the gardener, right? And so she hoped that he knew something about where the body has been taken. Maybe he knows. And so she asked him to tell her where it is. She probably wasn't thinking all that clearly because if you, again, put yourself in her, situ- in her shoes here for a minute, her, her grief has taken her to a whole new level. I mean, she is at, she's experiencing grief like she's never experienced before. But Jesus, in His tenderness, He put an end to all of our grief, all of her grief, with one simple word. Her name. Her name. The way John accounts it for us here, it seems that when He said her name, When he said, Mary. The scales fell off of her eyes and she recognized him immediately. Something, Something in his voice, something when he called her name, revealed himself to her. She could now see who it was. So what does it say? Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him. So she might not have even been looking. She just heard. Right? She heard and she turned and looked at him. So something something in his voice. Now remember back remember back in John 10 uh, Jesus uh, refers to himself as the good shepherd. And you remember what he said about being the good shepherd and being the sheep. What does he say? He says he said his sheep will follow him. Why? Because they know my voice. Because of, because of her deep love for Jesus and her faith in Him, uh, Mary knew His voice. 
And when, she, when he said her name, it changed everything. She turns to him, she looks at him, she cries out, Rabboni, right? Which is just the longer version of the term, the word rabbi, which means teacher. Then John writes here in verses 17 through 18, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Now we can only imagine, uh, because we can read through some other, uh, the other Gospels, that when she recognized him, that she probably fell at his feet. I mean, grabbed him by the ankles and she held on tight. Right? Now when he... But then, as, as probably this happened, she, he urged her, he basically told her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Now with those, that phrase, that answer of Jesus, there's been a lot of speculation, right? A lot of speculation about that very phrase. And, and they cover a very wide range, okay, of, of opinions. They, they range, as Dr. Sproul put it, from the ridiculous even to the blasphemous. And when I say blasphemous, let the hearer understand what some of the things that blasphemy people have said, right, about our Lord and Mary. Okay? So there's a wide range about of stuff, right? Why did he say, don't touch to me, don't touch, don't cling to me? Well, then in a few hours later, he's going to tell Thomas to do what? Touch his hands and his side. Just a few hours later. Some people would say, well, Jesus' body uh, was still changing into its glorified state, and that process was still ongoing. Kind of like, don't touch me yet uh, because I'm not finished. My body's not finished yet. But that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, does it? It makes a whole lot of sense giving the exchange with Thomas when he tells Thomas, touch, here, see here, and touch me. And there. There are other theories about this. And again, they range, again, ridiculous to blasphemous. Dr. Sproul says this. He says, I think the answer is much simpler. I think the answer is much simpler. She was hanging on to him for dear life. Because she thought she'd lost him. Right? She thought she lost him. And now she has him back. And she doesn't want to let go. Stay right here. I'm not, I'm not ever letting you go again. Right? And so he said, I, Mary, I'm not leaving yet. I, I, I know where we're, I'm not leaving yet. We still have some more time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. I'm going to come and I'm going to be with my disciples. And, and I'm going to be here for about 40 more days. Now he doesn't elaborate, but he's going to be here, right? About 40 more days, we know that. Uh, you don't have to hold on to me. I'm not leaving right away. And then he gave her a task. He gave her something to do. He says, go tell the disciples the news. Right? The news that I am alive and I will be returning to my Father. Now notice, um, what is it? he uses a word here. He says, what he says to Mary, he says, go and tell my brethren. Notice he says that. Go and tell my brethren. Now up to this point, the disciples have either been called servants or they have been called friends. 
but they had not been called brothers yet. To this point, Jesus has never called them brothers. Why? What changed? The atonement has been accomplished. Right? The work on the cross, Jesus taking the wrath of sin on the cross in the place of the sinner, it has now been accomplished. And so now this new relationship to Christ has been made possible. Couldn't call him, couldn't call him brother before. Now they can. Jesus calls his disciples brothers. They are now co-heirs with Christ. And you and I have the same relationship. We call Christ our elder brother, right? Hmm. Well, Mary did, uh, Mary did exactly what he told her. And he went back, she went back and she shared the message with the disciples. And as we think about Mary, we think about what she does here and we are um, out of time. We will finish this with uh, a quote from Dr. Sproul kind of summing up uh, this section of the Scriptures. It says, We too are sent as messengers of this incredible news that Jesus who died is alive again. He has overcome death and He has triumphed on behalf of His people. Will you hear the Savior's voice and take His glorious good news to a world that is lost and dead in sin? Father, we pray that our worship will be acceptable before You. Father, we pray that You will be glorified in everything we do this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.